It's good to be here again. Like I said, today is Sunday, and we celebrate, right? We come here. That's why we come here, to remember Jesus, who we are in Christ. Um, Like Perry said, I don't know where I would be if I wasn't in Christ. Um, I always joke, but I'm like, I'd still be living with my parents. That's what I would probably be doing if I didn't get married or didn't follow. I mean, so that's what I would probably be doing. But if we're in Christ... Man, that is such a wonderful place to be because even in the midst of danger, terrible happenings in the world, we still have that hope, um, the solid rock uh, where we build our life on, right? So remember that every time we come, that's why we do it. Um, I have Christian brothers and sisters that don't have communion every Sunday and I'm always like, why not? And I know why I do it every Sunday because I want to remember that. And Jesus saved us. He died and rose again, and He's alive. So that's why we come and celebrate around the table together. And it's a special meal, right? Um, One time I want to do this in service where we just have a feast up here together. Like, no preaching, just have a meal together and celebrate it like that. Wouldn't that be something where we just celebrate as a family a big meal together and sit in there and say, this is why we do it. So, maybe that's coming. I don't know. But I just thought of that because one time I did that as a family with a group of Christians and we celebrated the Lord's Supper together while we're having a meal. And it was special. So, maybe. We'll see. But as we come to the Word of God, this is I wrote this short prayer a year ago in my journal. And I'm just going to pray it for us as we come to God's Word. And here we go, alright? Are you excited about Habakkuk? We're going to finish Habakkuk hopefully today, and it's, again, studying it, there's a lot of good reminders in here, and Habakkuk is a prophet just like us, he's a man just like us, broken, sinful, but he trusted God, and we're going to figure that out today and learn more about who God is and how we're supposed to live our lives in a world that seems to be in ruins, but we can have hope of, in Christ So I'm going to pray this prayer. This is what I wrote in my journal a year ago. And I'm just going to pray it for us before going into God's Word. Let's pray. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. As we come to Habakkuk 3, you see there's four Ps up there. I did it. Yes, I'm a preacher. I had to put four Ps. Prayer, precept, patience, and praise. There's one word in there I'm still confused about, but I'm going to explain it, the precept word. I'm going to explain why I put it. So here we go. This is from Eugene Peterson's introduction to Habakkuk, and I feel it's fitting as we finish Habakkuk. He writes this, It is in his Habakkuk's waiting and listening, which then turns into his praying, that he found himself inhabiting the large world of God's sovereignty. Only there did he eventually realize that the believing in God life, the steady trusting in God life, is the full life, the only real life. Habakkuk started out exactly where we start out with our puzzled complaints and God accusations, but he didn't stay there. He ended up in a world along with us where every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. 
I felt that was fitting as we end Habakkuk because Habakkuk, remember, started in complaining and kind of like, where are you, God? Show up for us, please. And then God answers, right? I'm raising up the Babylonians and Habakkuk's like, wait, 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 wait. Are you sure? He kind of complains again and argues like, can something else be done? I know they're wicked people and why are you doing wicked people to take care of wickedness? I don't know what you're doing, God. And then God answers again and remember that glimmer of hope, the righteous will live by faith or faithfulness. There's people that are living righteously. And Habakkuk is probably one of them. He learns to trust God. He's saying, I'm going to you, God. But, and then at the end, we're going to see here, it's a prayer and a praise song to God. So we come here to chapter 3. Habakkuk's prayer or song or um, kind of just an ending praise, right? We're going to find that out. Writer Samuel Schultz said this, Through a living faith in God, the prophet gathers strength to face the uncertain future. We need to do that too, right? We don't know what's coming tomorrow. We don't know what's coming a week from now. I was talking to someone last night and she was like, this world is crazy, isn't it? What are we living in? And we kind of went back and forth and we kind of came to the conclusion. I told her, I was like, you think this is the reason because the world is broken and evil, right? And she's like, yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of sinfulness, wickedness. We're just broken people in need of a Savior, right? And we came to that conclusion. We probably already came to that conclusion separately, but we came to it together like this is what's going on in the world. Another writer wrote this, Habakkuk will teach us how to live by faith in a God who is alive and active in the current affairs of life, distasteful and unappealing as those affairs seem at times. Even though we look outside and look on the news and we're like, what is going on? God is still alive and active and working. Habakkuk, I hope, through these sermon series, this few weeks or four weeks we've been in here, that it's been encouraging to you. I know it's been encouraging to me when I'm studying at my desk, uh, talking to people and seeing what's going on in life and how we're navigating through this life. But I hope it's been encouraging to you to live that uh, life of faith, right? That life of knowing God is there and certain that He's in control and also living like if we're convicted of something, we're going to change. I'm always at my desk. I want to say always because every, every day I'm like, man, I'm convicted of this. I got to do better. God, help me to do better. In, in, in uh, Sunday school, right? A spirit of wisdom, right? We need a, a, a spirit of wisdom saying, I need to discern what's right and what's wrong and how to encourage people and how to live life in a world that's crazy. So people will say, why are you living so differently? What's up? You're always so joyful. You're always so happy. You're always, even though this happened to you, you still have hope. What's wrong with you? And then we're like, it's a good wrong. God's in my life. He's working. Jesus saved me from sin and I'm just praising Him that I'm alive today. So I hope that it has been encouraging. And chapter 3 ends such, it's encouraging to me. And it's also hard, there's hard things in there, but we're going to go through it together. So if you have your Bibles open to Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, to start us off here. 
This is the prayer part for the first point. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on Shiganoth. That's kind of just a musical term, they say. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. This is a liturgical prayer, a poetic prayer. And he starts off with this. This is, I think if we just prayed this simple prayer every day, it'd be, you know, you'd start your day well. I mean, you're, gonna, you're praying to God to start doing or continue doing what he's always been doing. He starts off with that, right? Verse 2, Lord, I've heard of your fame. You know what fame is? People know who you are, right? A lot of people know who you are. Do you think, you know, Habakkuk's like, I've heard of your fame. There's people talking about who the Lord is. He's heard of it. A lot of people know who God is, right? And Habakkuk's like, I've heard of your fame, God. Do we ever say that to God? God, you're popular. You are talked about a lot. Do we ever pray that? Remember, going back to chapter two or 1, Habakkuk's like, my God, my Holy One, my rock. That's part of the fame, right? He's holy. He's separate from sin. He doesn't have any hint of it in his character. And he's a rock, that solid foundation that never moves, that's never shaken. That's the fame that Habakkuk is hearing about. And he knows about it. The Lord is the most famous one there is. Do you believe that? Do you believe God is the famous, the most famous one? I mean, there's no earthly figure that's more famous than God in my eyes. There's a lot of famous people that I admire, that I look up to in sports and all that, because I was an athlete, so I look up to people. I'm like, I want to be like that on the court or the field or the, wherever I play a sport. But the Lord, and this song came to my mind. Do you ever read, do you ever listen to Chris Tomlin? He wrote this with a friend, little spider going on there. Famous one. He says this, and I f- believe it's fitting. You are the Lord. I don't know if he got it from this verse, but I, I want to say he did. You are the Lord, the famous one. Great is your name in all the earth. The heavens declare your glorious. Great is your fame beyond the earth. And this is the key phrase, I think, for me in this song. And for all you've done and yet to do. With every breath I'm praising you. What you've done, but what you're yet to do as well. And that's where Habakkuk's getting to this, right? He says, I know your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. You are the greatest, Lord. But then he says, repeat those deeds in our day. Another translation says revive. Anybody have that translation? Revive. Now, repeat. This is what repeat means. You know, I like definitions. Perform them again. Do it again, God. Perform it again, just like you did. Perform it again. And revive means... Bring them back again. Same thing, right? Perform them again, bring them back. But Habakkuk's like, do it now, please. You've done it in the past. Do it in the present time. Make them known. You've worked in the past in troubled times, right? The Israelites went through a lot of stuff, right? You read from Genesis on. The people that trusted God, they go through hard times. But God is still there. God is still working. 
through the generations up till the present day today. Is God still working? Is God still working? He is. And we can't forget that. And Habakkuk is praying that prayer. I, I just put a simple thing. Show up, God. That's what he's saying. Show up. Continue to show up. Keep showing up for us, your people. Habakkuk ends this short prayer with that powerful reminder. Look at the end there. In wrath, remember mercy. Wrath, another word for wrath is anger. God is angry at sin. And Habakkuk, I don't want to say reminds God, but he kind of says, God, even in your anger, can you remember mercy? That is a, that short prayer right there, the ending for me is the most powerful. Because God hates sin. He's angry with sin. But He also is a merciful God. The Apostle Paul reminded his hearers in his day, he said this, Don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So the Apostle Paul in his day says, leave room for God's wrath. He's going to be angry. That's what I think Paul's saying. God's going to get angry with sin. And he's going to have to deal with it how God deals with sin. And in Habakkuk's day, it's raising up wicked Babylonians to take care of wickedness. That's what's going to happen. They're going to go into captivity and, I don't know, learn maybe? That God deals with sin, wickedness. So if you're writing down notes, number one, pray to the Lord. That's simple, right? Is it simple? When I say pray to the Lord, to me it's simple, right? But it's hard. There are times that I don't want to go to God. I'm like, I can't. This is, I don't want to go to God right now. I'm busy. Or I'm doing this right now. But I think Habakkuk <laughs> reminds us, go to God. Pray to the Lord. Now, verses, the biggest section of our time here, verses 3 through 15, here we go. And this is the, the precept word. I'll explain why. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and His praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from His hand where His power was hidden. Plague went before Him. Pestilence followed His steps. He stood and shook the earth. What a picture that would be. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kishon in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. 
Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your fleeing arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to toe. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I think he's going through the history of what God's doing or has done. We won't go into all the details of each story that he's probably going into, but this precept word. I was sitting at my desk and I was like, what? I want a word that's going to capture my, my thought. What I think this, this section does in my heart and who God is. And this is what precept, I looked it up. Precept means a command or principle intended especially as a general rule of action. Habakkuk tells about who the Lord is, right? He's like, this is what God has done in the past. He's, these are his actions. And the prophet gives the reason why the Lord does it. Verse 13, you came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. That's the precept, I think. That principle of why God's doing what he's doing. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. Deliver and save is the same Hebrew word. It's yesa. Everybody say that. I just like it. Yesa. It means salvation, primarily physical rescue by God, often with added spiritual idea. So Habakkuk says, God, you came to deliver your people physically, right? Out of captivity, you came to deliver them. Out of wickedness, and there's anointed. Is The anointed one here could be two different things. There's probably a significant one in Jesus, but there's this immediate context. God's chosen people, Israel. He's saving His people, delivering them from wickedness in that time period. It's coming. He's going to deliver them. That's the precept. That's the, the uh, why God does what He does. You know, why did Jesus have to come? To deliver people from sin. Why did God have to raise up the Babylonians, cap, cap, take captive Israel to deal with wickedness? Did you know Israel was wicked? <laughs> they did wicked things. And God had to take care of them. Or not take care of them, but take care of the wicked acts they were doing. And save the people that were righteous, that were living by faith. Remember I said Habakkuk is in the same time period as Daniel? Was Daniel a righteous person? You betcha. Was his friends righteous? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, were they righteous people? Yes. They were living by faith. And God has to take care of wickedness, but that's the key thing there, the precept, the principle why God does what God does. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed so if you're taking notes, 
This is very simple. Salvation belongs to God. It doesn't belong to any one of us. It belongs to God. He's the one that saves. And if you go to Romans, again, the Apostle Paul, Romans is a hard book to read sometimes. you got chapters 1 through 8, very good stuff. Chapters 12 through 16, all that practical things, you know, you know as a reaching out to other Christians, love them, don't repay evil for you. But in chapters 9 through 11, you read those, and it's talking about Israel. And Paul is, has a heart that says, God, you need to save your people, Israel. Are you going to do it? Kind of like Habakkuk. And if you go to chapter um, 9 through 11 in Romans, there's a key verse in there that I think Paul's reminding the, um, his hearers are. He's like, God has his arm stretched out saying, come. The Lord has his arms outstretched and anybody can come to God if they come in and say, God, I need you. Isn't that a good picture? Paul says his hands are outstretched daily. It's always outstretched. And all you got to do is come. And the Israelites kind of went back and forth all the time. And God's like, I'm still here. I'm always here. You can always come to me. And Habakkuk and the Apostle Paul understand that. Salvation belongs to God. Verse 16, this is patience. This, one, this verse, some, maybe some people have gone through this. I don't know, but Habakkuk is kind of physically, emotionally, and spiritually probably exhausted. Look at what he says. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Do you see that physicalness, that emotional stress or whatever's going on in Habakkuk's life? You can feel it. When he heard all of this stuff, probably what he's writing down here, my lips quivered at the sound. Do you ever have your lips quiver at something? Habakkuk is like, what's going on? Decay crept in my bones. Legs tremble. He's shaking. But what's the end of the verse? Yet, yet, I will wait patiently. I've probably asked this question to myself, probably to you all as well. Are you a patient person? Are we patient people? Remember, Habakkuk is a man full of questions, he wants answers. He probably wants them right away. But at the end of what he's writing down, he says, I'm going to wait patiently. He understands that there's patience needed. If you're a man or woman of faith and you're living by faith, be patient. Especially in the day we're living in. Even though it's crumbling around us, we can wait patiently because we know God's in control. So number three, if you're writing these down, God's timing is better than our own timing. So wait with patience. Do you ever, you know, you ask somebody to do something and you're like, you, you expect them to get it done like in five minutes, right? Can you do this for me? And then 10 minutes later they don't do it and you're like, uh, 
can you do that again, please? I told you to do it. Did you do it? They're like, oh, I'll get there. But Habakkuk knows that God's doing something. And I'm going back to the conversation I had last night. We're talking and we're like, what are we supposed to do in a day like today that there's so many different agendas, there's so many different things going on? How are we supposed to live? And she said, this person said, she was like, I think if we just took care of our neighbors, like our circle, our family of the churches we go to, if we take care of each other, I think that'll spread. And then I told her, I was like, yeah, in college, I think it was uh, a friend of mine said, if churches took their community, like five mile radiuses or whatever, wherever the church is located, if they took care of the people in their kind of circle or square, whatever you want to call it, I think the world would be a better place. And I don't know if that makes sense, but if we take care of the people around us, God's going to work, and then I think it'll spread. And, but God's timing is better than our own, and we've got to wait with patience. So don't try to like, okay, we have this lofty goal of like this, which we can never reach. Let's kind of set it, I don't want to say a little lower, but I hope you know what I mean. Let's set it and say, God, work with us, work in us, through us, work around us, and your timing's better than our own. And then we can eventually probably get up to those goals. But God's working. And verses 17 through 19 to finish, this is probably one of the most beautiful endings to anything. And this is writer, Bible college professor Lynn Gardner wrote this, Habakkuk concludes with one of the most beautiful expressions of trust found in the scriptures. Habakkuk affirms his unconditional trust and delight in God. His complaint against God has now turned to praise of God. And listen to it. Verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet, there's that word again, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights for the director of music on my stringed instruments. He ends with this beautiful section of praise toward God. And it's a bookend of complaining, saying, God, where are you? To, even though this will happen, though the fig tree doesn't bud, we want figs from a tree, right? We want food. We want the crops to come. We want the olive crops to produce. We want the fields to produce. But nothing's producing. Even though that's happening, there's nothing, no cattle, no sheep. If we have nothing, Habakkuk is saying, or he has nothing, I think it's both individual and as a community, but he's saying, even though there's nothing, I'm going to still rejoice in the Lord. Now, I can honestly say I have haven't been in a point of life where I had nothing. 
I don't know how it feels. But I think the Israelites had a pretty good idea of what it felt like. They're taken into captivity. They have nothing on their own, right? Does this happen today? With Christians around the world, they have nothing? But they still rejoice in the Lord. It's always eye-opening when you see those stories of they have nothing, but they're still joyful. Another writer in the Prophets as Preachers book, Gary Smith said this, Habakkuk rejoiced and exalted in the Lord because his feet were on sure ground and because God was his source of strength. Did you catch that picture of a deer? He says, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. I know a lot of you love deer, okay? I hope you watch them before you shoot them. I hope you do, because if you watch deer or an animal like a deer, because some translations say they're another animal, which is it could walk on like mountains and stuff, really. Whatever your picture is, they are sure-footed. They leap, they run, and I, I haven't seen any deer fall while they're running. Maybe you have, I don't know. Um, but I've never seen, when I'm watching a deer and he starts to run, I've never seen him just go, or her, go and fall. I, I've never seen it. They're sure-footed. When I walk sometimes, I trip over my toe, you know? And I'm like, that's not sure-footedness. But when we're talking about our spiritual life, and He makes our feet like the feet of a deer, we're on sure ground. He makes us go through life, and we're grounded, and our feet don't slip. If He's the number one source that's giving us the strength. So number four, if you're writing, praise the Lord who gives us strength to endure. Pray and praise to God our Savior. Praise the Lord who gives us strength to endure and praise to God our Savior. Commentator Bruce wrote this. When I read this, this is so good. It is right and proper to voice appreciation of God's goodness when He bestows all that is necessary for life, health, and prosperity. But, when, there, when these things are lacking, to rejoice in God for His own sake is evidence of pure faith. Basically, praise God for who God is. Not because He gives us things. Not because God bestows all these blessings on us. If we don't have those things, I think we can still praise God because God's God. God will be who He wants to be, right? And we can't do anything about it. So if we have pure faith, even if we have nothing or lacking these things, we can still rejoice for God, in God for His own sake. This week, my grandma, she always sends me stuff randomly. I want to say randomly, but they're not random to me because 
they eventually turn into something like, man, I didn't expect it to go this way. She sent me, I'm going to bring out my phone so I don't uh, mess it up. So she texted me um, a clip in the newspaper, Herald News, Joliet, Illinois, the newspaper in town. Um, and I've read it as a kid. I read it, I, when I go back to my parents' house, I sometimes read it too. On the back of the, on the paper, this was the article. It's, it's for Barton Carroll's Appliances. Ooh, okay. But on, it's, you know, in stock. These things are in stock. But right in the middle, it says Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18. Just the reference. And my grandma was like, look what this is in the paper today. This was August 2nd, the paper. So I'm like, I texted back my grandma. I'm like, grandma, do you, do you have any idea why they would put it in there? Like, do you? And then before she texted back, I'm like, there's a phone number on here. I'm going to call it. So I call it. I'm like, hello, can I speak to the owner of the, this shop? He's like, oh, it's me right here. I'm Barry Barton. And, and I was like, I know this is a random question, but uh, my grandma texted me the ad in the newspaper, and it has a Habakkuk 317 through 18 on it. Why, why did you put that? And his response was, I feel like that's the world today. And I was like, for sure. <laughs> he can, even though there's nothing, he said, they, we can still rejoice in God. So now we, we text back and forth. <laughs> but he sent me um, maybe a couple hours, or uh, it was right before I went to bed, he texted me and I looked at it, and it was the front of the newspaper that same day. And he was like, I don't think this is a coincidence. He texted me the front of the paper, and the first article, or the first heading, the article that is going to be on the inside, this is the featured article. It was a, the, the, I'm going to get to the heading later, but Plainfield Home Health Nurse Donating Kidney to a Stranger. That's, what is, that's the story. But here's the title of the article. Faith over fear. And the back of the paper is Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be great, joyful in the God, my Savior. Faith over fear is on the cover of the, mag, on the Herald News. August 2nd, 2022. The back, rejoice in the Lord because He's the Savior. And he... Barry said, I don't think that was a coincidence. It encouraged him. It encouraged me because when things like that happen, you're just like, God's working somehow in a newspaper. Faith over fear. Rejoice in God because He's the Savior of the world. And then a hymn came to my mind. This is an invitation. You know, we come celebrate Jesus, right? But this is the invitation. This is what the song popped in my mind. The hymn, you probably know it. My Savior's love. Just listen to the words here. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how He could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. For me it was in the garden. He, pr- he prayed, not my will but Thine. He had no tears for His own griefs but sweat sweat drops of blood for mine. 
He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them His very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. When with the ransomed in glory His face I at last shall see, t'will be my joy through the ages to sing of His love for me. And the chorus, it's a simple yet lovely chorus. How marvelous, how wonderful. And my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me, for you, for the world. If you, know, if you don't know Jesus as a, your Savior, oh, one writer said it's the hardest decision you'll ever make, but it's the most rewarding decision you'll ever make. Because you have to repent that you're a sinner, which, to be honest, nobody wants to do, right? But if you recognize you're a sinner and say, I can't do it on my own, God, I confess you as the only Savior. Jesus went to that cross. We celebrate it. We remember it. The blood shed. Every time the communion cups pass, Beatrice is next to me most of the time, and she's at, and I always remind her, or I always ask her the question, why are we doing this? And she knows, like, she, she, I hope she understands, it's beginning to understand. She always says, Jesus, right? And I'm like, what's the, what's the bread for? And what's the, the juice for? What do they represent? What are they for? That's a good question. Are we passing it on, too? What we know, our faith. But then, it doesn't stop, right? God's buried, or Jesus is buried in the grave, and what happens? He rises again. Oh, what a beautiful picture. And then baptism, same way. I remember my baptism. I'm always going to say it every time I talk about baptism. You're raised to a new life. And you're not alone. You have family. Just like what Perry was talking about earlier. Sometimes we fight and argue. Disagree, but we're a family. And we encourage one another. You're not alone when you make a decision to follow Jesus. Don't forget that. And if we've been walking with God for a long time, Jesus as Savior for a long time, maybe you need a reminder to say, thank you for the reminder that we're not alone. If you need a church family, we're here for you too. If you want to join, you can make that decision today. And we'll be excited for that too. So if you need to make some sort of decision, I'm always praying to myself up here for people, for people I know around the world. I'm always praying, so... If you need to make something today, do it. Remember, living by faith, knowing God's in control, but also conviction based on hearing. So let's pray. Today I'm also going to take a prayer from Charles Spurgeon as we close. This is what he prayed. O God, have mercy upon thy poor church and visit her and revive her. She has but a little strength. She has desired to keep thy word. O refresh her, restore to her thy power, and give her yet to be great in this land. In Jesus' name, amen.